So good morning, folks. Um, it's great to see a you know, big packed room here. Thanks for taking the time to uh, you know, come to our session. Uh, my name is Samir Nori. I'm joined by my colleague, uh, Diane and Sharma. We're on the cloud solutions team at Cohesity. And we're very excited to also have uh, Tyson Clark from Airbud Entertainment. Uh, Tyson's responsible for all of IT infrastructure at Airbud. Uh, just show of hands, how many folks familiar heard of Airbud here? Okay, not a whole lot. So you know, we got a cool little uh, video clip. Uh, you know, when Tyson comes in to speak, um, that you know, give you a sense for what Airbud does. Um, the you know, so so like the session is the title is focused on building a hybrid architecture for uh, you know enterprise backup and recovery. Uh, really, going to do this in three parts. I'm going to sort of kick it off. Give you a little context about Cohesity as a company, our solutions, uh, our value proposition, the problem we're looking to solve. Um, pass it over to Tyson, who's going to really walk you through, you know, their story, how they're leveraging Cohesity on AWS, the challenges they had, and you know, the benefits they're deriving. And then Diane's going to, you know, walk you through a demo of uh, of our product. So, uh, you know, that's the uh, you know agenda for today. So, just by show of hands. Wanted to get a sense. How many folks here are aware of, heard of Cohesity? Uh, you know, at, at at this conference before. Before. Okay, so a few hands. Um, any folks came to our party last night? Okay, there's a couple of folks. So you know, my voice. I'll apologize for my voice a little bit. I'm feeling a little bit of the after effects of that party. Um, but you know, it was it was a you know a rocking party. We had uh, you know Pitbull out there. You know, with uh, with Shaq as as a DJ. So. Uh, you know, I tried to party not too hard. It's rough to have a session, you know, right after that. But um, we'll, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll provide you some valuable information here. So let's kind of get started. Um, just quick background on us as a company. Uh, we're about a you know five-year-old company. Uh, you know, where our mission really is focused on redefining uh, secondary data and applications, and really reinventing. Uh, you know, all the different workloads that secondary data and applications comprise. Backup, archival, disaster recovery, test dev. Um, you know, we're looking to sort of, you know, redefine the way customers approach that and really innovating on, on that. Uh, we're founded by uh, Mohit Aaron. Uh, Mohit's got a long pedigree in uh, distributed systems and, and storage. He was one of the leads in the Google file system. It was also the um, you know CTO of Nutanix, uh, the original CTO and co-founder of Nutanix. Uh, some some really strong pedigree. Um, like I said, we're about a five-year-old company, experiencing some tremendous growth. We're very proud of you know the customers. Uh, some of the logos of our customers you see here, uh, you know, including Airbud. There's a number of other enterprise customers. We have broad adoption across really every vertical you can think of: financial services, healthcare, uh, you know, government. Uh, higher ed, so on and so forth. So we've got you know, a lot of strong adoption, and we're backed by you know some of the best investors in the world with um, you know Sequoia Capital and SoftBank. Um, so we're about you know 800 person company now, uh, you know growing very fast. Like I said, our mission is really around redefining secondary data and apps. So. When it comes to you know storage, uh, you know all of you or most of you in the room, right, are using a variety of different you know storage services from AWS for different use cases. Whether it's using um, you know EBS for you know powering your databases or transactional applications, you know structured data things, or whether you're using sort of on the object storage side, 
um, you know, S3, <coughs> S3IN or Glacier, right, for, uh, you know, archiving to the cloud, for, you know, big data analytics. You know, I spent, you know, a number of years in the big data space uh, before Cohesity. And, you know, S3 is basically the new sort of, you know, default data lake, right? Um, so, you know, all of you are using these services in, you know, in a variety of different ways. And then there's also things that on sort of the data transfer side with Snowball. My purpose of showing you this slide is that we integrate with all of these services uh, on a native basis. And, you know, our platform has been built from day one to be, you know, cloud native, right? That was one of the key design principles when um, you know, the company was started and in terms of the, the design patterns for you know, developing the platform. Uh, and that's, I think, you know, in, uh, you know, a big differentiator for us you know, compared to some of the other solutions you see out there, particularly on uh, you know, the, the legacy or you know, older side of things. Um, and so really from a data protection backup standpoint, there's a few different key considerations that you know, all of you or some of you are you know, probably already you know, aware of, thinking of, and are, you know, when you look at solutions, that you know, forms a key uh, you know, selection and evaluation criteria for you. There is obviously sort of RPO and RTO, right? In, uh, and you want to sort of meet your SLAs in a time frame that's appropriate. Um, you know, we definitely like to sort of address this. And with us, you know, customers are benefiting from being able to you know, get their RPOs and RTOs in minutes, not days and not hours, right? And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go forward. Policy-based backups. Uh, this is one thing we see, you know, come up again and again in our customer base in terms of um, existing solutions and legacy solutions they have don't really come with that SLA-driven, policy-driven, you know, approach, uh, and they're looking for, uh, you know, a way to get that, right? We see this sort of, this pattern coming over and over again. That along with the ease of use um, is a big thing you'll see, you know, in the demo, uh, you know, the Dynan's gonna walk through uh, in terms of how easy we make this for customers. <coughs> automation, um, being able to bring your, you know, uh, autom level of automation to the entire backup process and recovery process. Um, you know, whether it's more sort of taking into consideration, um, you know, the level of integration you need to have from an API perspective, you know, reducing sort of the manual steps you might have. Uh, that's another sort of key consideration we see. Ease of use, I talked about this. Um, simplicity is a big um, you know, factor when customers look at us and why they choose us uh, you know, for their you know, backup and recovery solution. Obviously, you want you know, reliability when it comes to your restores and uh, being able to have that level of confidence that you know, your data is gonna get, uh, you're backing it up, but you're gonna restore it you know, the way it was. And then finally, from a compliance perspective, um, you know, everything is sort of you know, tied, right, particularly when it comes to long-term retention, uh, and that's the use case we're gonna spend a good amount of time here today on, is being able to have and meet your sort of, you know, compliance requirements from, you know, uh, your sort of audit side of things or from a, you know, risk uh, or policy side of things. So really our, you know, we've been focused at Cohesity on solving really the legacy data protection uh, and the challenges that exist in that environment. I like to call it a crisis of complexity that's existed in this you know, market or in this space for, uh, for a number of years. Um, you know, on the diagram, you see there is a mix of, you know, typically customers have you know, four or five different solutions for addressing different pieces you know, of, the, of the puzzle, if you will, right? And all of them are sort of piecemeal. Um, there is 
for backing up you know, physical servers, databases, virtual machines, et cetera, customers typically, when we go in, have a mix of master servers, media servers, uh, they're sort of in tape libraries, uh, and then there's a target storage device, right? And if you take this one step forward, um, you know, some, some of the challenges here are really around, it's all fragmented. So I, I talked about sort of the uh, crisis of complexity. They're all fragmented. Each of them has their own interface, uh, and lots of those interfaces are outdated, uh, sort of using you know, Java-based you know, uh, you know, uh, products or Java-based standards for you know, building those interfaces. Um, so it's clunky. It's inefficient. Uh, and we hear customers uh, you know, spending millions of dollars on this infrastructure. And then from a cloud perspective, it's not built for the cloud. So typically, you know, customers then, if they want to bring in, bring in the cloud, they're going and getting a separate product as a cloud gateway. Uh, and then that really is only good for you know, long-term retention, and you can't do anything beyond that. Right? Um, so when we you know, built our solution on our platform, these were the sort of key challenges we looked to you know, address in the market and solve for this. Right? Um, and how we're able to do it is we really help simplify that entire mess that you saw before on the previous slide. So enter Cohesity and our data platform that basically abstracts away all that complexity that you saw. So our data platform um, you know, serves as the target storage device that you need. Um, we then also have our backup software um, you know, that integrates you know, with the uh, target storage piece. And so that's basically you know, what you'll see in action uh, you know, in the demo. Um, and so we're able to bring a level of efficiency and consolidation that customers, you know, when they look at our solution, they're like, wow, this is amazing. Not only do I have sort of you know, cost savings you know, factor here, um, but the level of agility it helps bring to their you know, backup uh, and recovery workflows is something they've never seen before. Um, and then from a cloud perspective, we integrate natively with you know, the storage services I showed you on, you know, on the first slide. So we integrate natively with you know, S3 and on Glacier. Um, you know, we have some, some recent new integrations you know, from a cloud native backup perspective that enable you to backup uh, you know, EC2 instances. Um, so we're designed really to sort of help you on-ramp to the cloud very easily. Um, and like I said, the cloud native factor in, when, in, when customers look at us from a selection viewpoint is a key factor um, you know, as, as they you know, think about the different options they're thinking about. So our platform really, uh, just to give you a sense for what kind of workloads um, and you know, applications can we protect, uh, we can sort of spread the gamut right, of what you typically expect. Um, we can back up you know, um, physical machines, we can back up you know, virtual machines, VMware, you know, Hyper-V, uh, databases, Oracle, SQL Server, and then on the NAS side, uh, you know, be able to protect you know, NetApp, Isilon, or any other you know, NAS device. Um, and so then our platform really comes in you know, three different uh, editions, if you will, right? sort of to span the, uh, what you'd need from a core data center perspective, what you'd need you know, in the cloud, and what you'd need in perhaps a remote office, a branch office, or you know, kind of on the edge. Um, and the key thing here is it's one platform across all of that. So it's not a different piece of software for on-premises or for the cloud. It's one platform. 
Um, and in a hybrid world, which you know, I'm sure you know, all of you or most of you, you know, have, that's you know, actually another you know, key point in terms of being able to have the same platform on-premises and also in the cloud and be able to sort of manage that from a single interface. And you know, you'll, you'll see that in the demo. So let's talk a little bit about our solutions, right? Uh, the first solution I wanted to you know, spend a couple of minutes on is really around long-term retention. So a typical workflow for a customer here is they're backing up their applications or data to us on-premises, uh, you know, probably you know, keeping it on Cohesity for, let's say, you know, the first month or for 30 days, and then archiving it to uh, you know, S3 and Glacier for long-term retention. Um, so our capability here is Cloud Archive that really you know, helps uh, you know, customers uh, in, you know, move data to the cloud for long-term retention and, and archive it. And there's a few different benefits we bring to the table here, right? So we're enabling this long-term data retention. From a capability standpoint, we bring, um, you know, for what we are able to provide on-premises in terms of global deduplication, encryption, compression, all of those carry over to the cloud. Um, and, you know, Diana will spend a little bit more time in terms of addressing that and, you know, sort of how we do that. Uh, but just, you know, sort of keep that in mind because I think that, that's sort of another big differentiator for us. And then we're also then able to provide granular recovery, both at sort of the VM level and the file level. Um, and so that's, you know, you know, something else that, you know, you'll, you'll see in the demo as well. So that's kind of, you know, solution one. Most of our customers, uh, you know, when they start with us on their, you know, hybrid cloud journey or, or their, you know, progression, uh, long-term retention is where lots of customers start with us and then sort of build upon there in terms of the other solutions, right? Uh, and so that's a typical pattern we see. However, you know, we're also starting to see customers sort of start with us more in the cloud um, and, you know, not typically maybe have an extension of the data center and, you know, use us from a long-term retention perspective, right? So, so we're starting to see that as well. The second use case then is, so, you know, I talked about sort of backup on-premises. I talked about long-term retention. So if you're thinking, well, what do you do for me from a cloud backup perspective, right? Uh, so this is where we're enabling native backup of, you know, EC2 instances and being able to you know, protect uh, you know, VMs uh, you know, that, are, that are out there. And so the way we do this is we have um, you know, API level integration with you know, ABS snaps. And uh, we're able to bring all our platform capabilities to backing up you know, EC2 instances. So global dedupe, compression, uh, you know, indexing, search, right? We've got a very powerful indexing and search capability that has helped you search across what you have on premises, but also in the cloud. Um, and so, from a benefit standpoint, um, and this is you know from a, a product perspective, our cloud edition really sort of is is you know coming into play here with our data you know protect software from backup perspective to enable this capability. So there's a few different benefits we see customers accruing here, right? So we're integrating with APIs. So now not only do we have uh, you know physical agent based you know backup, but we also have sort of API level backup. Um, so let me go back one slide here. Built it too quick. Um, we're helping bring an ease uh, and simplicity of backup and recovery through this policy-driven approach. So you know the one thing you'll see consistently in the demo is that everything you know policies are sort of a, a, a key uh, building block for us, and you sort of see that you know carried over in terms of the different workflows. Um, and I think the the level of uh, efficiency we're able to bring to the backup process in the cloud compared to, you know, I think what customers and what you might be doing from 
either maintaining you know, manual scripts, uh, not being able to figure out you know, the, and track sort of your snaps you know, all the way through, uh, and then really having the same platform on-premises in the cloud. Right? Uh, we see that as sort of the key benefits here. And then the third solution it really is then, if you've, now you've got your data on-premises, you're backing it up to Cohesity, well, what if you wanted to take those VMs um, and spin them up you know, in the cloud for either you know, a test dev you know, type of purpose or for DR, right? And so here we bring sort of an, an automated way to help you sort of instantiate or spin up those VMs very easily through a capability we have you know, called CloudSpin. So CloudSpin really helps you take those uh, VMs that are backed up, convert them to um, you know, the, the appropriate format, and provision it for test dev and RDR, uh, and then you could have sort of you know, spin them back down um, you know, when, uh, when you're sort of done, right? So give you an example of customer of ours, a, uh, a large you know, university um, out in the East Coast is using this capability to help bring up, you know, they had a planned uh, DR you know, situation. They were gonna take down um, things for about a day. And they wanted to bring up a, somewhere between 30 to 40 different websites, both internal and external, uh, and the way they were doing it before was, you know, they had, it was a manual process, they couldn't bring them up, you know, fast enough. And so with this capability, they're able to, um, you know, bring these back up, uh, you know, very quickly, and then, you know, take it back down and go back to sort of, you know, their uh, on-premises, uh, you know, version, and, you know, when the sort of planned disaster is done, right? And the planned, you know, sort of, you know, outage or shutdown is done. Um, so that's an example of you know, how we see customers leveraging this capability on the DR side. There's also you know, applicability on sort of the test dev side. So key benefits here really, right? We're able to reuse backups. Uh, and again, this is sort of foundational to you know, how uh, you know, our platform was designed. Uh, while backups uh, and sort of you know, backup and recovery data protection is sort of our building block, you know, it's really a foundation for building on and to do other things uh, and other use cases, right? Uh, and so that's, you know, again, I think from a, uh, a differentiation standpoint, sort of a, a big thing for us. We're able to sort of, you know, do pretty efficient conversion uh, and sort of, you know, almost one-step automation along the way, uh, you know, through, uh, through this capability. And then, you know, your application teams or development teams, you know, get much faster access to data and don't have to wait, you know, uh, you know days or weeks uh, you know, to get access to a you know, particular data set or having to make copies of the data, right? Uh, so we're not going to spend too much time, you know, on this session here on this capability, but definitely encourage you with some of these other solutions to come to our booth and, you know, get more information on that. Um, so if I were to sort of summarize, right, I, I brought up a few different considerations at the beginning. We're able to help provide customers uh, RPO, RTO in minutes, right? And this is night and day compared to what they have, uh, how they're able, their sort of, you know, their solutions before where, it's hours or days, right? Uh, and then Tyson's gonna you know, speak a little bit about this in terms of you know, how he's been able to leverage Cohesity. Um, I talked about policies and retention schedules. Uh, like you'll see in the demo, policies is sort of central to us, and you'll see that you know, demonstrated. Uh, we're an you know, API-based platform, right? So we provide a whole level of um, integration and ability to use APIs um, you know, in, your, in your workflows and your solutions. Single interface to manage across a hybrid cloud environment. Um, this is again, you know, sort of big in terms of the ease of use and not having one product on premises for backup, a separate product, you know, for the cloud, and then having multiple, you know, different interfaces for that. 
global index uh, to enable that search and recovery, right? And you'll see that, you know, again, demonstrated and the, the simplicity by which we're able to sort of, you know, catalog all the metadata and be able to search across uh, really, you know, what's backed up on premises and in the cloud. And then lastly, being able to adhere to the, your compliance and retention policies, right? So in summary, uh, you know, just wanted to, uh, you know, say that if you're thinking about sort of, you know, hybrid cloud initiative for secondary data and apps and the different workloads I talk about, really we can sort of help you at any, you know, one of those stages, right? Whether it's starting off with that long-term retention or storage tiering, uh, really we're sort of cloud is an extension of data center. Whether it's sort of test dev, whether you sort of, and bringing that level of application mobility across the data center of cloud. Um, whether it's sort of, you know, cloud native backup and thinking about things more from a pure cloud perspective. And then being able to bring sort of full lifecycle disaster recovery, right? Uh, and being able to sort of have both failover and failback. So hopefully that gives you a good sense for, you know, our, an overview to us, our solutions, and our sort of value proposition. Um, with that, I know we're going to play a quick little video here for a minute, and then I'm going to bring, uh, you know, Tyson up here to uh, speak to uh, his solution use case. The family is bigger. I'm so excited. The story is wilder. This is outrageous. And a whole new generation of pop stars will rise. Finally, a venue big enough to showcase my talent. And your ever-expanding head. But when old rivals Shark? break out some new tricks, we are gonna run the North Pole. You wanna take over Christmas? All right, I'm in. I am the new Santa Claus. You're not Santa. Think of yourself as the Ronald McDonald of the North Pole. <laughs> These future pop stars say hello to your Christmas surprise. Will find their own voices. Yeah, that girl's got swagger. From the creators of Airbud, Air Buddies, and Popstar. Headline, ratings go. You'll love this. Comes the coolest. Is he okay? He's just not used to the cold. Someone told me a fever. This is not Miami. Unforgettable. Ready to move and group. Show the world the meaning of Christmas. Comedy of the season. <laughs> Maybe he won't think it was me. Star Christmas. I love Christmas specials. Glad to be flying with the good guys again, SC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me, this one's a showstopper. <laughs> with that, I'll uh, pass it over to Tyson. Um, Tyson, give you a little bit of overview of what Airbird does, and then you jump into uh, kind of what they're doing with us. Thanks, Tyson. Hey, so as you just said, I'm Tyson from Airbud. Uh, we make talking dog booze, as I'm sure you can see. And I promise it's not that jerky when you watch it on Netflix. Nice and smooth. That was pretty brutal, I'm sorry. Uh, let's go through here. So we've, uh, we've got over 20 movies. We also have action movies from before that, but those are like hush-hush now. Those are like the 90s hardcore action movies you saw. The guys blowing up boats, running around, all that kind of good stuff. We've now switched over. We're making a lot of kids' movies. We're working with Disney right now. We're going to be releasing a TV series on the Disney streaming channel in the next couple of months here. So we had some issues here. We needed to be able to back our stuff up, and it wasn't working great. I'm not going to lie. We had a, 
let's see if we can do it. Okay, so we had a tape system. It was taking me about two weeks to get it all the way to the end of our data, and then I had to restart again, and that's if it made it. We also had a bunch of failed tapes. Part of it was my fault, part of it was just, you know, their old tapes. Uh, we've got two storage places we keep them. We had one set in our data center. That we had a bit of an issue. I'm out camping, I'm having a good time, and all of a sudden I get told I gotta evacuate due to a forest fire. Well, as soon as I leave my campsite, I get a phone call from my other guy. He's like, hey, the data center's on fire, you gotta come back here right now. And I'm like, come on, this is, can't be happening. Like, I'm just getting kicked out because of a forest fire. Well, it turned out our data center got up to about 80 degrees centigrade. I have no idea what that is in freedom degrees, but it's hot. We're talking, your beard's melting when you walk in there. I got back about a day and a half later, touched the concrete wall, and it was still hot. So let's just say, that set of tapes, not so good. About three months later, we have all our tapes in a off-site storage, just a storage locker, and there happened to be a fire right next door. The whole place got covered in smoke, and a lot of those tapes also didn't work. The other problem was, we need to restore files once every couple of months just for using in the new movies. It's not exactly easy to go through and look at 5,000 tapes, try to pick out two or three that we need to pull off like a gig or two of data, put them back in, drive back down to the storage place. The other problem is we're buying tapes constantly, and in order to do it properly, we have to keep upgrading the tapes. So that was getting kind of expensive, and of course, you still gotta pay for storage of them. The other thing is, we didn't have any way of getting anything to AWS. I was running an rsync script, which would put it onto one set, or um, an S3 bucket, and then it would tear off the glacier. That doesn't work when you're wa working with 20 or 30 terabytes of data. And I also had to run it manually because, well, it doesn't really work well with 20 or 30 terabytes of data, so it was crashing, and see, I'm sure you get the picture. Uh, is that the right slide? Yeah. So what Cohesity was able to do for us is they took all of that, put it together, and now we're able to archive off to Glacier. So they were able to go through our 20 or 30 terabyte set of data, and we have about three to five million files, so most people couldn't do that. They can do that, no problem, it was great. Then they take that, package it up nicely, push it off to Glacier for us. Simplicity. Man. I'm sorry, I had a lot of fun at that party last night. I'm feeling a bit rough here today, as I'm sure you can all tell. Uh, but the other thing is, it made it easy for me. Before I had rsync scripts, I had AWS sync scripts, I had tape backups. I'm talking four or five things we've got four different places where we store data depending on what it is. Some are just for video editors, some are for sound guys, some are for the VFX guys. We've got people just putting stuff everywhere. I needed a way to simplify it all. I had 40, or 40 cron jobs going just to try and sync it all up and make it nice to package it off. So this slide's actually outdated. We now have four storage pools of data. We're just adding stuff on here because you know the CFO is like, oh yeah, let's get more data. Uh, but as you can see, we also have only 90 terabytes on here. We're right now sitting and backing up about 150 terabytes. So it has taken all our NAS pools and also a non-NAS pool. I don't know if anyone's heard of an Avid Nexus. Okay, good, it's awful, don't use it. But you need it for editors because without that, they can't actually lock just the bin. What it's doing though, Grabbing all of that data, it's grabbing it from everywhere, you couldn't even believe, passing it off to Glacier, tears it off, and then now I can actually grab just the files I need, or the shot I need, and pull it back. So, I'm sure you guys all saw that it was a really jerky reindeer. 
Those came from a movie about 10 years ago. So I had to go back through my tape library, find those reindeer, pull them down, let those guys reanimate them, put them all back up. Works great. Now, don't try to do that with tape. It took us about three months to try and find those things. So this is a picture of my dashboard here. Once again, it's been updated a bit since, hin since here. This is uh, an older version. But as you can see, it goes pretty quick. It can chew through our 30 or 40 terabytes of data in about 30 minutes, two hours kind of thing, anywhere between there, depending on what it's doing. Now as for this, as you can see, I've got a lot of jobs. The orange, I don't know if you can read that, that says uh, future paused. So what we're doing is we make a project for each movie we do. We back up that data to the Cohesity, and once that movie's done, we don't need that data for a long time. So what we do is pack it up, send it off to Amazon, pause the job. Now that sits there, and it's got a record of every single one of those three to five million files. So I can go in there, I can pick that file I want, bring it down, we're golden. So, like I was saying before, it was taking about two weeks with our tape backup, that was LTO4. Now, we were told, oh, just upgrade to LTO7. Well, there's a problem with that. We have LTO2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 tapes. We go to 7, we're going to lose a whole bunch of tapes from before that. <coughs> Not exactly great. We also had a guy sitting there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, just watching that backup. Because if it fails, we need to know where it failed. we got to back up the rest of it for our insurance. So he's watching it. It was just costing us a ton of money. Plus, we also have to buy a ton of tapes. Tapes about 50 bucks, but when you're talking giant amounts of tapes here, just tossing them out, it gets pretty expensive pretty quick. The other thing is, we had no way of getting it to Amazon other than that Amazon sync. Works great, but when you're talking about giant amounts of files, it just does not work. With this, it was packaged up, passed off. I guess that's you here. So I guess before we go there, Tyson, I was going to ask you a couple of quick questions. Um, any thoughts on sort of, you, know, you mentioned a few different issues with tapes. If you were to pinpoint it down to, you know, probably the biggest hurdle you had, right, and, um, you know, what would you say that was? The biggest hurdle with tapes is just the length of time. It's chewing through hundreds of thousands of files, and when you only have two tape drives, just to put that data on there, it just takes too long. Not only that, but when you're backing up that much data, it's taking all day. So if I get a call to restore a file, I got an option. I can either back up our data or restore the file. You can't do two things at once, which is driving me nuts. So, got it, got it. And then I know you were you were sort of mentioning uh, you know, that there's some interesting things coming down the road in terms of as the data is growing, right? How do you sort of see this deployment, you know, manifesting itself, you know, three, six, nine months down the road? So, I got a call not too long ago from my CFO. Uh, he has decided that we're just going to flick that switch on the camera to 4K because that's easy to do, right? What he doesn't understand is we're going from about 250 terabytes of movie now to pretty much a petabyte of data. So we've got to be able to rapidly expand. Can't exactly do that with more tape drives easily. Get a, I, I can't even stand tape drives, so. <laughs> how, do you, um, how do you see, that, that makes sense. Um, how do you see that sort of you know, impacting the amount of data you're going to protect on Cohesity and sort of having to expand that? So the file numbers are going to stay the same. It's about three to five million per movie but the size of the files are going to go from 4 megs to 16 megs. So we're going to be quadrupling, if not more, for our data. So okay. yeah, our cluster is going to go from hopefully about 150 gigs, or sorry, 150 terabytes to close to 800 pretty quick. Wow. That's almost like you know, 6x growth. It is. Yeah. 
Wow, impressive. But you know, it's only a little tiny switch on that camera, right? Just <laughs> done. You're golden. What, um, no, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Any, I guess, what best practices would you share with people um, in terms of, you know, the journey you've been through and, you know, uh, tips or recommendations? Tips and recommendations. That's a hard one because it's just, it's very simplistic, but I would say definitely get your stuff organized before you start backing it up. Make sure you've got a plan on how you want to back up all your stuff. So as you saw on our slides, so let me see if I can pull it back here. Yeah, you can pull it back, yeah. Oh, I have to change it. There you go. There. So as you can see, we've got all our jobs here. This has made it super easy because now when we're searching for stuff, I say, hey, I want to look at Pupstar 3, and I know what the, generally what the scene number is or the scene name. I can just pick that, dump in the number. It gives me all the files right there. It just makes it super easy. Other than that, yeah, it's just it's so easy. There's not really any tricks you need to learn. Got it. Awesome. Okay, cool. No, thanks, Tyson. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, I'm good. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Dayanand, and I'm from products team at Cohesity. And I would be demoing some of the capabilities that Samir and Tyson talked about. Um, primarily, uh, using or leveraging cloud storage, uh, likes of S3, S3IA, Glacier, uh, for long-term retention and DR use cases. So what I have here right now uh, on the screen is an on-prem Cohesity environment um, that I'm going to log in right now. As soon as you log in, you are greeted with a dashboard with some tiles on it. Um, shows the overall health uh, of the environment, starting with the, the job runs in the last 24 hours, any SLA violations. Um, the health of the cluster in the last 24 hours, what is the kind of storage reduction or deduplication that you are getting on the environment. For example, right now it shows on the screen that I'm getting 104 X dedupe. Um, what is the total amount of uh, capacity that you are backing up? So right now I'm backing up 1.2 terabytes logical, but I'm only using 11.5 gigs physical on the, on the cluster. Uh, some more details around your protection policies, the number of protection jobs that you uh, protect, protected objects that you have, throughputs, and all that nice stuff. So the first thing that you need to do um, when you want to leverage cloud storage for long-term um, long-term retention and archival use cases is that you need to add that storage on the platform. And the way to do that is you go to protection external target, and you would register the external target. Give it a name, what is the purpose? In, in our case, the purpose is archival. What is the type of storage? So these are the different things that we support. Coming to AWS, we support all S3, S3IA, and Glacier. And I believe uh, we, we are one of the very few uh, vendors who, who support direct Glacier. Uh, we also support S3 lifecycle management. Uh, so if you have S3 to Glacier lifecycle management setup, um, on AWS side, we, we support that too. Uh, coming to Glacier, we support all three uh, retrieval modes, expedite, bulk, as well as standard. So you would just select the, the type of storage you want to add. Um, again, coming to category, we su support standard cloud, we support AWS GovCloud, as well as the secret 
C2S cloud from AWS. Here, you would give the bucket name that you would have already created, region name, and the credentials. So in our case, I've already added two such external targets. One is AWS S3, and second one is Glacier. If I go to S3, shows me my bucket name here, right? And I would go to my AWS account and verify that that bucket exists. Right, so this is the bucket that I'm using. Um, S3 target for 10 to 37.176 right here. By the way, can everybody see the screen clearly out of the back? Yeah? Okay. So that is the first step, is uh, you're just adding the, the external target onto us. Now you obviously need to get the backups going. To get the backups going is a simple three-part process where um, you first of all add a source. The source is what is it that you want to backup, right? So go to protection, sources, register a source. These are the different types of sources that we support various type of hypervisors, physical servers, MS SQL, Oracle, uh, NAS. Once you go to hypervisor, various kinds of hypervisor, whether it's VMware, vCenter, standalone, vCloud Director, Hyper-V, Nutanix, um, Red Hat Virtualizer, and also if you want to add cloud as the source. So typically, for example, uh, if I'm at on-prem and I want to back up my VMware environment, I would go vCenter, give it the IP, give it a username and password, register, that's it, right? <clears throat> the next step is to create a policy. A policy is sort of a set of rules or schedule that you want the backups to be running at, right? So go to create policy, give it a name. When do you want the backup to occur? Backup every day? or every minute, every hour, let's say every two hours, and retain it locally on the platform for let's say seven days, right? And if you scroll below, there are various things that you can do with the backup. Uh, we are going to cover archival. So go to archival archive to and you will see the external targets that you've already added to the system. In, in our case, I have two external targets, S3 and Glacier. I can choose any one of those two, right? And how often do you want to send it to archive? So basically here we have decoupled your local backup uh, frequency to the archive frequency. You may or may not want it to be the same frequency, right? So if you want, you can, you can take it to the cloud after every run, or if not, you can take every day, every week, and so on. Uh, so let's say after every run and retain it for 90 days, for example. Right? The other things we won't touch in, um, but they they, uh, they relate to the other stuff that we do in terms of cloud spin or, or doing replication, intercluster replication from one side to another. And lastly, you would go ahead and create a production job. So in this case, I would uh, create a new policy. Let's create a new policy. Give it a name. Um, reinvent policy. 
and I already have a vCenter source added to the system. Now at this point, it basically brings you um, the hierarchy of the source. Now you, what, what I'm looking at right now is my vCenter uh, at different layers, um, from ESX host to the data centers, um, and you can drill down to each host, or you can search for the entity that you want to back up, right? It brings it up. Also, one more feature I wanted to demo here is uh, something called auto-protect. So you can go to any level at the hierarchy, whether it's a data center level or, or cluster level or at the ESX host level, and you can auto-protect. And what that basically means is that if going forward in future there are more VMs being added, under that hierarchy that would be automatically protected, right? So in this case, uh, let, me, let me create a new job, right? Um, let's go to VM listing and search for everything that is there. Uh, and let's pick up any one VM here. Let's say pick up this rel 7 VM, basically add, add it to a policy. Uh, we can use an existing policy that you might have created or you can create the policy in line while you are creating the job. So you don't have to create the policy beforehand either. So let's say create a new policy, ignite policy, let's say 2. Back up this VM, let's say every four hours, retain it for seven days locally, and at the same time, archive it to S3, retain it in S3 for 90 days, okay? And say create. Next thing is, which storage domain um, you want it to go to? Now, storage domain is our internal construct, which is basically sort of like a logical segregation of data. Um, like Samir mentioned, the platform can do much more um, uh, than just data protection, right? So th this is, think of it as a logical segre segregation for uh, different types of workloads where uh, some might be dedupable, compressible, some may not be, and you can have a logical segregation um, from that standpoint. Go ahead and hit protect. So what it has done is it's created a new job which is running right now. And what it's going to do is back up that VM onto us. Once that is done, index it. And the reason we index is for, is for granular uh, recoveries of file and folders. And then send it out to S3, right? Um, while that is going, one thing I wanted to mention about the archive is that our archives are basically, you know, um, sort of fully self-contained. And what that basically means is that they have the data as well as the metadata. And by metadata, I mean they have all the job uh, information as to um, what is there in the archive, what is the source, what is the cluster that backed it up. And the reason why we have it is um, that tomorrow, let's say if there's a DR situation and the cluster that sent that uh, archive into the cloud is not no more available. The whole site got wiped out.
because of the fact that it is fully self-contained, you can have another cohesity cluster in a different location, uh, point it to the archive, and recover the data. Right? Um, another thing is that when we are sending the data, it's fully deduped, compressed, and encrypted. And talking about dedupe, uh, we do uh, a variable length uh, deduplication uh, algorithm. And what that basically means is that we, we create a unique 20-bit um, uh, hash sequences for uh, variable data chunks, which, which could be from 8K to 24K, which is more efficient. Right? Um, so while this job is running, let's move on to an existing job because it will take a while for it to complete. Go to protection jobs, and we'll take a look at a couple of jobs that I already have in my system. Uh, first is this job called archive to S3. So let's come here and look at what the job is doing. The job, the source is my vCenter, on-prem vCenter, and it is backing up a VM called AWS W16 Gold VM. And it uses a policy called archive to S3 policy. And if I were to see what that policy is all about, go to edit, it backs up every four hours, retain it locally for three days, and then set it to S3 after every run, retain it in S3 for 30 days. Now let's say there was a recovery that I wanted to do. Right? We know what the job is doing. It's pr protecting the stuff on-prem, sending it out to S3. Now there's a recovery need, right? Um, pretty easy. Go to protection, recovery, recover. And again, we can do either a whole <coughs> VM level recovery or we can do a granular file and folder recovery. Let's go to recover VMs. Now, um, here is the, where the, the, the power of platform shows. You don't need to know where your stuff is. All you need to know is what is it that you're looking for. You don't need to know the job name or the cluster name or, or the site name. Um, all you need to know is what is it that you want to restore? What is it that you're looking for? Let's say I'm looking for something with AWS, right? And it shows up everything that has AWS in it. And we can see that these are the jobs that back up VMs that have the, the word AWS in it, as well as these VMs, the AWS CentOS VM and Windows 16 Gold VM. Let's select one of these VMs for restore. Continue. Now this is going to create a task name, uh, a task with some name. Let's say recovery for AWS demo. And it shows you all the recovery points uh, or point in time snapshots of your VM that you can recover from. If you were to look under the stored column here, it shows local as one of the places that you can, uh, you can recover from or AWS S3. So after your local retention would have expired, you won't see local as an option and you would only see S3 
because the snapshots are not available on the local platform anymore. So let's do a recovery uh, from S3 and we'll randomly pick up uh, any recovery point. Let's say from November 26th, 143, and we'll select AWS S3 as the recovery source. Save it. Do I want to rename my recover v VMs? I would just add a prefix uh, for today's date. Recovery, uh, recovery location, do you want to recover it back to the original vCenter or you want to send it out to some new location? Let's recover it back to the original location, keep the networking connected, and say finish. So at this point, as you can see, cloud retrieval is in process, is in progress. It's going to go to S3 and fetch the data from there. Coming to, you know, um, data traffic to, as well as from S3, another thing uh, while we are at the retrieve topic, I would like to mention is that our, because of the dedupe that we use, our uploads to S3, um, as well as downloads, are very uh, efficient in the sense like I mentioned, uh, because of the dedupe algo that we use, we are not sending all the data chunks uh, in their entirety uh, to, to, to the cloud storage. And what that basically means is we are aware of what is already there in the archive. And um, if there is another data chunk which we are aware is already there, we would not send the same data chunk again. We would just send the hash for it, which is just 20 bit. Right, so that takes care of reduce ingress into the cloud. Same goes while uh, we are downloading the data, in this case like we are doing the recovery. If those data chunks are already there on the on-prem cohesive platform, we are not going to be downloading those data chunks. We would be using from the on-prem cluster. So that reduces the egress costs for the customers as well, uh, something which is very important. So, <clears throat> While this recovery is going on, and obviously since it's, it's going to come from um, S3, it'll take a few minutes, maybe 20, 30 minutes. Um, and uh, in the meantime, what I wanted to show was just like, like this recovery that I did, uh, a VM level recovery, there was another recovery that I did uh, yesterday for the same VM. This is the VM that we were talking about here, AWS W16 Gold VM and I recovered it as yesterday's date. I, I just added a prefix for yesterday, right? So the same thing uh, that I'm doing today. Um, so that is insofar as a VM level, a full VM level recovery is concerned. We can also do uh, a file level or a granular file level recovery. We can go back to the platform, protection, recovery, recover, in this case, instead of going to VMs, we'll go to files and folders. And same thing applies. Uh, you can have a Google-like search, just, just whether it's a file or a folder, whether it's a VM or any other object, right? So again, we'll search for anything that has the word AWS in it. I have this AWS text file that was backed up from this VM called AWS W16 Gold VM, and this was the name of the protection job that backed it up. I can select this guy. And again, <clears throat> similar interface, same choices to the user. You s 
you want to uh, download it from the local cluster and AWS S3, right? So it's the same workflow whether you are doing a granular recovery or you're doing a full VM recovery. So let's do AWS S3 here as well. If you wanted to add more files, you could go to add more or you can say download now, right? So this is insofar as the uh, granular recovery from the cloud storage. Um, one more thing I wanted to mention here is that what we just talked about is uh, protection of workloads from on-prem and sending it out to the cloud, right? The same mechanism, same principle, same UI, same features work uh, for your workloads which are already there in the cloud, talking of EC2 instances, right? So I would just show you and switch over to <clears throat> another cluster of mine which is running in the cloud. So as you can see, the IP is 1081.50. Um, and just to validate that, that uh, this is actually our, our platform running in cloud. This is basically running on um, an EC2 instance in the cloud. And as you can see, the private IP is 1081.50 here, right? And uh, obviously, I'm connected over VPN. Uh, uh, we have a VPN uh, between our on-prem to AWS account. So you can see that right now I'm connected um, to the cloud edition of our platform. And again, same, da same dashboard, same look and feel. And if I look at one of the protection jobs here, there is this protection job where I'm backing up an EC2 instance Right? And this is, again, some, one of the things that Samir mentioned. We have the native snapshot integration um, for AWS uh, EC2 backups, two options. Uh, and obviously, you know, native snapshot is one of the options. Um, here, as a part of this job, I'm backing up two objects, which are two EC2 instances in my AWS account that I just uh, showed. And uh, as a part of this policy, I'm backing it up every four hours and retaining it for two days. And as you can see, I'm not archiving it anywhere, right? So same thing, same, same logic applies here. You can go to add archive. And since I already have uh, an external, ta external target uh, configured here as well, I can archive to that bucket after every run, retain it for, let's say, 30 days in S3. Right? So what now this is going to do is that the next time the job runs, it is going to leverage the new external target that I just added to the policy. So um, one of the things that Samir mentioned was our integration with the APIs and just wanted to highlight that everything that I just demoed here is uh, can also be done. It does not have to be done from the from the UI. Can also be done um, from the from the REST APIs using the REST APIs. And I would just quickly bring up uh, the Swagger interface that we have for APIs, um, just to just to show that uh, you know we have public APIs available for almost all all of the workflows that we have. 
So any questions on the demo before we open it up for? Yeah, maybe at this point, you know, we'll uh, you know, sort of open it up for, for any questions that uh, you know, folks have, and we can uh, you know, try to address them. Yes, so that's where the power of you know our integration with the REST APIs come, comes into play. Uh, you, you can schedule it, and you can have uh, you can define the order of the restore as well. Question here. Yeah. So, I mean, we we price on a uh, typically on a per terabyte basis, uh, and we know we've uh, you know we're sort of you know in a, on really on a subscription you know pricing model, right? Uh, so we definitely make it easy for customers to you know get started. A typical configuration is uh, you know sort of in a, a three-node you know configuration is what typically customers start with us, and then you can sort of you know uh, you know add as you go, right? So it's really a pay-as-you-go model. Exactly. Exactly. Your cost inherently will just scale up over time. You're going to have more backups. It's it's on the DDube though. So yeah. yeah. You want to talk about that? See, eventually, if you go and the total storage capacity is growing, then yes. Uh, but that's where the power of dedupe comes into the play, is that uh, after the first full rest all incrementals, you're not actually going to grow a whole lot unless your, your, your change rate is something of the order of, you know, 5% per day. Uh, but otherwise, uh, it sort of stabilizes. And unless, obviously, the second factor being you are adding more uh, environments to the mix. You're adding. But otherwise... Uh, on, a, on a static environment, you're, it's not going to change a whole lot in terms of uh, storage usage growth. Does that, does that help answer your question? Sort of. Sort of, yeah. I mean, I think we, we yeah, definitely feel free to come by our booth. We can, you know, sort of get into that and yeah, some of those nuances. Yeah, in yeah. the next hall, yeah. yeah. Do you, do you want to add anything to that, Tyson, in terms of, you know, that the capacity side of things? Yeah, so we generate about 100 gigs a day. But even though it's taking a snapshot every single day, we're only adding maybe 100 0.1 gigs a day after all the overhead. So it's not scaling out like crazy. It is getting bigger, but it's not each snapshot being its own backup. You know what I mean? As your, as your archive grows, you don't get, that doesn't, right? You don't, a backup every day. Yeah. So, so it's just incrementally. Oh, so the first is full, rest is all incremental, and beyond incremental is deduped and compressed too. Yeah. So it's not, um, uh, it's not like uh, a one-to-one -one copy. First full, rest incremental, plus dedupe, plus compressed, plus encrypted. And with my data, I get zero uh, compression at all because it's all video files. <coughs> so it's literally just a teeny bit of overhead for the cohesity wrapper and then in the cloud. And it's not skyrocketing, that's for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, on order of magnitude, I mean, Customers are using us, you know, for the same amount of data they're protecting, you know, on their prior solution, which is potentially, you know, in most cases a legacy solution versus us. And their cost savings are in the order of 50 to 70 percent, right? Uh, 
so I mean, there we, we see customers you know, spending millions of dollars on their backup infrastructure, and we're sort of you know order of magnitude you know saving anywhere from fifty to seventy percent, right? And, and all the things that I talked about in terms of global dedupe compression, uh, those play a big role in sort of you know make, bringing that TCO down like dramatically. I saw one more question over there. Yeah. Okay, so I think you're talking about, um, um, you know, so, so the question was, uh, when you're doing a VM restore, uh, do, you, do you have to wait for the restore to be copied back to, to the vCenter, or is it readily available as soon as you kick off the restore? So the, the answer is, it is available as soon as you kick off the restore because uh, of a feature that we call it as instant mass restores. So um, uh, the, the storage is on us. Uh, and then in the background, we do the storage vMotion. So the, the VMs are available as soon as you kick it off. If so, basically, I think your question is if you're backing it up on prem and you want to restore it in the cloud, um, that is through our workflow that we call it as Cloud Spin. And uh, what that does is uh, it'll do the format conversion because when we're talking on prem versus cloud, uh, the format being VMDK versus AMI format. So we do have it, uh, but that involves the conversion. That was the cloud spin in the, po in the policy. There was an option called cloud spin. Uh, that, is, that is what we use for, for doing that. And you can actually do both policy-based cloud spin as well as on-demand as you need it. Any other questions? 